This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to the Backcountry Rookies Podcast. This is the annual Stories from the Season series. As we have done in years past, I like to bring on friends and former guests or just good hunters, but they all have one thing in common, and that is a great story from the season. This year, we teamed up with the guys at Western Hunter to help share some great stories. If you aren't familiar with Western Hunter, you need to check them out. They produce Western Hunter magazine that has fantastic stories, product reviews, and they also have a great TV show on the Sportsman's Channel and their own podcast. In addition to the magazine and show, this year Western Hunter is launching a film tour that you can enter your hunting film to win some great prizes. Go back and check out episode 183 with Chris Denham or hop over to westernhunter.net to hear all the details and how to enter. Let's jump right into these great stories from the season. Welcome to the first stories from the season of 2021. So I'm very excited to have my good buddy Jeff Lund on here, the mediocre Alaskan for the first show. And I had Jeff come on. He had a he's had a really cool season up to this point, and he's got an even cooler season coming up. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to, to have him come on here. Originally, I was going to have him come on and talk about a bear hunt, which we do talk about. And then um, I started seeing some of the other amazing hunts that he had going on this year. So it made it even more exciting to get Jeff to come on. And we just talk about a lot of stuff, Alaska, right? So um, it's cool to get him on here. Um, so the way I kind of did the stories from the season this year, and you'll hear this progress throughout the year or throughout the, you know, September through December was I wanted to start out and sort of, um, highlight some of the hunts that friends and, and people have done early in the season. So some spring bear stuff, we've got some Barbary sheep stuff coming up, things that were done in the, uh, you know, after December of last year so the first few shows are set up that way for those early season hunts because I think a lot of times those get overlooked and everybody gets so excited about elk and you know mule deer season coming in that we we overlook some of those super cool spring hunts and I definitely wanted to highlight some of those so we do that today my good buddy Jeff Lund um, I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this show I'm also excited you probably heard the intro change um, we got Western Hunter magazine Western Hunter as uh, the sponsor for this show or for the series rather for the stories from the season series and then as always this show is is always sponsored by Go Hunt Elk 101 and Vortex Optics, and if you stick around at the end of the show, we have some great discounts. If you're not familiar with that, you can use the code Rookies at any of those, and you have um, some some savings through those companies, through those sponsors, and uh, more to follow at the end of the show. 
All right, here we go. Let's jump into this with my friend Jeff. Hey, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm jealous right now. I uh, <laughs> So I wanted to record this podcast about a bear hunt, and then I started seeing this beautiful velvet Sitka deer on your Instagram. I text you today and say, well, what do you want to talk about? And you're like, hey, man, I'm packing for this mountain goat hunt. <laughs> and then yeah, what? It's been pretty uh, pretty crazy. March, I had the, the caribou hunt up in Fairbanks. And then uh, April got a brown bear down here. I live in Southeast Alaska. So those two hunts were, you know, kind of expensive to fly out somewhere, but I didn't draw any tags in the lower 48. So I figured I could spend, you know, a thousand bucks if I would have drawn an elk tag, or I can mm-hmm. spend a thousand bucks an airplane ticket up to Fairbanks to, to hunt with a couple of my buddies. So yeah. now that uh, August 1 started, we got mountain goat and we got uh, Sitka blacktail deer and then black bear starts on uh, um, the fall hunt starts on September 1st. So, um, awesome. And yeah. those are all just resident. Is it over the counter or do you have to draw that stuff? The, uh, the brown bear, the caribou and the, uh, mountain goat are, uh, registration hunts. So it's uh-huh. pretty much over the counter, but you just have to go there and you have to, you know, fill out some stuff. The, uh, caribou was, um, a resident only, uh, quota hunt. They uh, split up that quota five thousand. I think it's either five thousand or three thousand animals in September, um, August September, and then they do a winter hunt too, just uh, to keep the tundra from getting too torn up. A lot of people take their ATVs out there and um, tear up that habitat. That uh, herd has recovered from. I think it was down in like the you know, seven to ten thousand uh, in the eighties, but then uh, in the nineties they really put a concerted effort into making sure that uh, the habitat was good and the predators were down. So now it's, I think it's up to like 70 or 80,000 caribou. So that's fantastic. Conservation at its best right there. Absolutely. So, So, well, Jeff, okay. Sorry, no introduction, but um, (laughs) I just hit record real early. Uh, So welcome to the stories from the season series, the backcountry rookie stories from the season. What I like to do on these is invite friends and and former guests, you know, guys like yourself to come on and just tell a story from from the season that they had. And to me, it sounds like, shoot, we could almost talk about the whole series with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's Alaska, man. There's a lot of tags. And if and if you do it, then there's just so many opportunities. You know, a lot of people dial in and they're just, you know, blacktail hunters. And you can have a lot of fun doing that. You get the most areas, you get at least four tags. So you can hunt two in the Alpine in August and then two in the rut. And, you know, that's, you know, four month season, four tags. That's, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good year. So pretty good year. some people really dial fishing in. on the side and everything yeah. else that goes along with Alaska, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I really uh, putting forth the effort this year to make sure I'm making the most out of all the opportunities that I have. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's good too, because it get, you have a platform, right? And we'll get to that here in a minute. And you have a voice in the hunting industry and just being able to talk about those opportunities and how to take advantage of those opportunities. It's, it's great. So now that you've actually gone through the process and you've seen those caribou type hunts and, you know, the resident only stuff, I think it gives you a great opportunity to be able to talk about that over the counter, the draw, the fishing, all the different things that go along with that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty important. Alaska is such a big state that, you know, I don't really know any of the politics of stuff that's going on up North in the state, but it's still Alaskans. And so just to, you know, be conscious of, of what the caribou herds are doing up there. You know, I think it's part of my, I wouldn't say responsibility, but 
you know, something I should be, be aware of. I know in some States, the fishermen have no idea what the hunters are doing and vice versa. You know, you have all these issues that are really important to you, but as an outdoors person, you know, looking at, well, I'm not really big fishermen maybe, but this is what's going on with them. So maybe I should be involved and at least be aware of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. Um, well, let's do this. Why don't we try? So I try to keep these stories uh, from the season relatively short, just, you know, cause I'm thinking guys are listening to them while they're on the road, whatever. Um, let's see what we can do. Let's talk okay. a little bit about your bear hunt, talk a little bit about your, your deer hunt. And then we'll hear a little bit about this upcoming goat hunt that you got You're, I mean, you're at home packing for that one right now. Right. So it's like, yep, got everything washed on your mind. right out and yeah. Trying to figure out what the, what the weather is going to do, but, uh, yeah. So if, um, Opening day was August 1st and kind of the big ticket item for Southeast Alaska is going up into the Alpine. A lot of people get flown into lakes and, um, um, or just hike up. And so the Alpine deer hunt, that's what you see a lot of the content being made in this time, you know, people getting flown out and doing that. So I was up on a mountain for the opening day and then just beautiful for the first, you know, maybe half hour or so. Um, so by five o'clock it was uh, totally fogged in couldn't see anything. So I came back off the mountain and a storm rolled in. So another opportunity that you have is black, black tail at a lower elevation, like up underneath the clouds. We don't have the same sort of migration as you see with uh, elk and mule deer and, and a lot of those species down South. So you have some, some deer that never get above 1500 feet in elevation. You know, they never really leave the timber. So some of those lowlands can be great. Some uh, clear cuts can be great habitat or even musk eggs. So I went to a spot that looked like it had some, some great opportunity and I just walked along an old logging road and, and there's so much texture. It's so hard to see, you know, right over the the next little ridge, there could be something. It's the same sort of thing, like a mule deer program that, you know, you're looking out, everything's fine. You go 50 yards to your right, you glass again. And all of a sudden you see underneath that rock, there's a mule deer. And the same thing can happen with, with blacktail. You, you get, um, on the other side of a little bit of a fold and you see something that's bedded down. And um, so I saw a buck and it was feeding and I didn't have a shot. I got down and I just, I could feel the water soak through my Gore-Tex pants, but I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to shoot this thing. It's going to be over. Um, and it just, it just doesn't give me a shot. So I'm laying there and you're not moving. And so you're getting wet and cold and this isn't like the down South shower warmth, you know, if you get the, the monsoon rain in Tucson, it's nice. It's bath water. This is, you know, 58 degrees and rainy. So after a while, you know, my hands started to get numb. Um, but the thing just wasn't, wasn't coming out. Um, I decided to try to make a move on it after waiting for about an hour and a half. And um, just to see if it was there, if it had escaped out the, the back backside, because I hadn't seen it for a little bit. It had bedded down and I just lost track of it. So I decided to make a move and, I'm hiking down into this old clear cut and it's, it's just berry bushes chest high. I'm thinking, man, this is unbelievable black bear territory. And here I am sneaking through this, you know, in the rain, there's a little bit of wind. Oh man, I could definitely be, you know, jumping a bear. That's not what I want to do. The season doesn't open until this, until September 1st, but you know, I, I don't want to you know surprise anything, you know, if the sow and, and cubs are right in there. So um, I go down into this little, little V and I'm coming back up to this little knoll and right on the other side should be where the deer was. 
Um, so I'd cut from 300 yards to what I thought would be, you know, 25, 30, 40. Was this archery I, hunt? No, I know this is, this is a rifle, okay. but, um, it was just like when it went to bed, uh, when I, when I was laying down there looking at it and I, it was feeding, feeding, and then I lost track of it and went into bed. I just, I couldn't see exactly where it was. And so rather than wait for it to maybe feed out again, I, I try to just cut the distance, get myself a better angle gotcha. or a different angle. Okay. Okay. And I was cold. I, I couldn't feel my fingers. So <laughs> I was kind of a desperation move. Sure. So I get to the top of this little knoll. I look over and it's bedded right there. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been raining. I, I popped the covers off my, my scope. And, you know, when you look through the scope and it's like a little bit foggy and there's just wetness in there and like instinctively, like I don't shoot standing a whole lot, but this is a short shot. When, when you try to squint to get like a better view of, of whatever it is on the other side of the scope, like you kind of lean forward a little bit. And so when I shot, I freaking scope myself. Is that uh, the mark right there? I'm looking I, at yeah. 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 There, I got three marks on my, on my face. Um, the first one is from that. Um, so the, the buck kind of falters a little bit and then falls. And then there's a little bit of commotion, um, as it's, as it's finally dying. So I was like, dude, got it. Awesome. Now I'm on the top of the snow and I, I got to get down this steep little chute to get down to it. So I slid down kind of grabbing on to the, to the stems of the bushes, get down to the bottom. And I've got a tiny little tributary Creek bottom thing to go through. And I can't see the bottom cause it's just so thick with devil's club come up out of that. I see the deer and I look to my right. And there's a black bear about 15 yards from it. So the deer is in between. I'm 15 yards from the deer. The bear is 15 yards from the deer on the other side. It was like this, who's going to claim this thing? Oh oh my gosh. So I I, I yelled a profanity just out of not trying to scare it off. Just came, I just wasn't expecting it. And the bear looks at me and I look at it and, and it runs off, but I don't, I don't, like hang out right next to the deer yet. I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. And if it was a grizzly bear, I'd have been out of there. No sweat. Um, um, but I'm thinking, all right, well, I, we don't have grizzly bears on this Island. We don't have brown bears on this Island. And I, you know, grew up in Southeast Alaska. So I've been around black bears since I was, you know, six. And you can kind of get an idea of the, the temperament and the attitude. And I've been around some that, you know, that, uh, clinch their jaws and make that, that, that popping, uh, sound. I've had, um, one that, that rushed me when I was fishing, I had a bunch of fish on the shore and it came at me. It just wanted to scare me off the fish to get it. So I've been, you know, I'm not an expert, I'm not a biologist. I'm not saying this is what anybody should do, but in that moment, I didn't think that it was a runaway type thing. The bear looped around and, and I saw it again and it poked its head up from the bushes, but it wasn't aggressive. It uh, clearly hadn't claimed the the carcass. It hadn't cached it. You know, there was no, it was no sound cubs. So, you know, once it took off again, I just kept talking to it. And for about five minutes or so, I just kept talking, 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 nothing came. So I went in started processing the deer and, um, got that and hiked it out. And if anybody's hiked out of a, a, a clear cut, it's just the worst. You got all this all these limbs that were cut off the trees that just kind of lay cross stitched and you step on one, you can break through. And, you know, all of a sudden you're, you got your heavy pack and you're down to one knee and it's just a huge mess. But 
Um, it was just that type two fun. It was rainy. It was cold, had the deer berries everywhere. I'm thinking, man, this bear probably tastes awesome. I, I might need to come back here when, uh, in, in a couple of weeks when the season opens, cause this is going to be a good tasting blueberry bear. Yeah. That's really cool, man. And it, so it just all kind of happened, huh? You dropped down out of the clouds, I guess, out of the fog. And then there you had a beautiful buck waiting on you. So super cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, the thing about having a, a lot of time and, and having some confidence. So I didn't get anything on the opening day, but you know, storm rolls in, that's fine. Just be patient. You know? So I went out, uh, that was August 3rd that I got it, whatever day that was that Tuesday was that Monday or whatever that was Tuesday. So you know, like a day in between to kind of recalibrate. It's fine. You don't have to go out for seven straight days and you don't need great weather. There's always an alternative. Um, it's not the, the idyllic up on the, on the mountain, you know, beautiful sunrise and all that stuff. You know, it was kind of that nasty cold, you know, hunt, but, um, a lot of fun, got it done. So now I got, uh, I got the next adventure, next adventure, which is mountain goat mountain goat yeah registration hunt there's a permit draw in the air there's a lot of permit draws that you know we don't have preference points so a lot of people put in for these for these draws um and you know some people from out of state draw them and they think oh my gosh well now i got to get a fifteen thousand dollar mountain goat guide and i got to figure out a way to, to get to catch a can and then get flown out somewhere or up to anchorage or wherever they're going out of so some people can't use them which is you know it's it's fine, I guess, you know, protects the, the, the species a little bit. Um, it would be maybe kind of nice if someone does draw that and they can't make it. If they say, Hey, I can't make it, then, you know, it can go to someone else, but mm-hmm. you know, some of these areas only have five or six tags. And so if two or three people can't use them, then, you know, there's not a whole lot of tags left. So I don't, I put in for those. It's my daily or my annual contribution. And then I just try to do the registration thing. So, yeah, um, a lot more uh, challenging to get out there. I'm going to have to take my boat for a couple hours to a spot. And then um, it's going to be a hike up probably around 15 miles or so, 12 to 15 miles. I figured. um, Have you been up in there? Have you gone up that way yet? Or is this kind of sight unseen? You're just going to hunt it. I was there last year with a buddy and he got a really nice uh, buck but we didn't get to the far side of that little range. And so I thought, man, there's gotta be some goats there when you're hunting in Southeast 3000 feet is kind of the, when you get into goat country. So from 3000 up is kind of tends to be the, the measure and it gets about 3,500, but, um, he shot that buck on the lower end of it. I just wanted to kind of scout for mountain goat and then get him a buck. And we did, it was an awesome deer. So I did been you see goats area. when you were there didn't and so that's kind of the the scary part of this is i'm going there hoping for a goat that i hadn't seen and haven't glassed and you know i know a good route to be able to get up there and i guess worst case scenario i shoot another nice buck but um that yeah, wouldn't be, be terrible right? no no that's <laughs> um but you know I, I think the weather should be okay and you know you, you kind of planned on it and that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. If we can just get up to the top, if you can glass to the other side of the, of the ridge and then try to make a move. So also a rifle hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Rifle hunt. I have some buddies who've done archery, everything, and they've done archery mountain goat, but I'm, this is my first one. I want to make sure that it, that it's yeah, it's yeah. done. I would probably do rifle no matter what. That's a lot <laughs> of cur- climbing and crawling and that's just terrain. I'm not a hundred percent comfortable in. 
Um, so you got to, so this is like a really cool epic. This is the kind of thing that's epic adventure. You know, you're taking a Mm -hmm. boat in and you're going upstream and then you're hiking in 15 miles and, um, that's going to be pretty, pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. It should be, it should be great. And that's the nice thing about having a boat. Um, I've talked to some of my buddies on, on my podcast about like necessary Alaska toys and they live in the interior. And so, you know, one of them has an ocean boat and a jet boat and someone else has one of those, you know, like six wheel ATV type things. So you just got to have that in order to, to go up there and run the caribou program or the moose program. So uh, down here in Southeast Alaska, you got to have an ocean boat that can get you to some of these other areas. Cause you don't have, it's all islands in Southeast. So you don't have, it's not a matter of just driving somewhere and, you know, hoping to get off the main road, then off this spur and then off this spur and this spur far enough back that you're going to have it to yourself. Like there's not a lot of spurs. You mm-hmm. just have the road and the spur and that's about it. So they have an ocean boat to be able to go back somewhere and, and anchor up and paddle to shore and then, you know, just hike up the timber to get back up in there. That's a, uh, that's, it's an adventure, but it's just kind of part of the program. It's an expected, um, thing to, to yeah. have to do or encounter. I'm going hunting today. Well, get the boat, get all this other stuff, right? Yeah. Like it, it's part of the packet list. I would think. Yeah. Part exactly. of the program. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, how about the spring bear hunt? Cause that's originally my, my idea with this was these first few stories from the season. I wanted guys from the spring hunt, you know, to be mm-hmm. able to bring them on and, and talk about some of that stuff while these August hunts and September hunts were developing. Um, you killed a really, really nice brown bear. And that, that was one of the first ones that I thought, okay, I'll, I'm going to try to get Jeff on for that, for, for one of these early ones. Um, what do you got on that? Let's talk about that one a little bit. That one's funny because it's, it's just kind of a standard little, not a big deal no story, story behind it. huh? Um, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was April and, uh, on Revilla Gigado Island, which is where Ketchikan is, there's no brown bears. Um, Prince of Wales Island unit two also doesn't have any brown bears. So it's pretty nice that, you know, when you are deer hunting or black bear hunting, you don't have to worry about them, but if you are targeting them, then you got to figure out where they're going to be. Uh, so a buddy of mine has done extensive hunting and trapping and, and he, uh, his, his girlfriend wanted to get a bear and, and he wanted to get a bear maybe. Um, and I was like, I'll go, you know, he said, well, all right, get your permit. Let's do it. So, uh, it took me out. We stayed at a forest service cabin. Uh, we took his boat and then we just cruised around some, some inlets that are attached to the mainland. Um, and you know, we saw, saw one the first night and, um, one black bear the first night. And then the next day we just kind of cruised the inlets and then pulled up and saw one. And it's a pretty extreme area. It's not a huge, uh, tidal flat. So we kind of nosed in and the thing was just eating clams uh, and we just kept going, kept going and it didn't spook or anything. So we got to, got pretty much to shore and you know, got in the little raft to get all the way to the shore. And then we're just sneaking around in the woods, trying to flank it, which is hilarious because you're, again, you're sneaking around in brown bear territory. Like you're in this thick wood trying to, to keep hidden from the bear that's out there. But all the while you're thinking, you know, am I going to come up on something? You know, the wind was perfect for us, which means that, you know, we could be spooking a bear. So you know, we looped around and it was still just eating clams. And, um, my, uh, my buddy's girlfriend, I was like, hey, do you want to shoot it? She said, no, you go ahead. 
are you sure? Cause you know, it wasn't a huge bear, but you know, it was my first Brown bear. And, um, it had the telltale features of what I was looking for. We looked at it and it had a little bit of a hump behind its head, it had a pretty big looking head, it looked like it had a valley between the, um, the eyes. And so those, those are the things that you look at if you're looking at a, at a, a boar or sow. And, um, so I fired one warning shot, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then it was kind of running toward the, um, toward the woods and it was just kind of looking around and it was, you know, not just, just look confused. It looked like it hadn't really been used to people or seen people much, which was kind of cool. And then it slowed a little bit, still looking around curious. Uh, and then I shot it and dropped it and, uh, ended up being a sow. Just, we walked up to it and, and like rolled it over and it had the huge bald patch. Um, we'd like it had just woken up from hibernation and the teeth were were brown and really worn down and when i took it into fish and game to have it um, sealed uh, the teeth that they usually take for samples were totally gone i mean this thing was was crazy old and we kind of joked that maybe it was just it was so old that it was surprised that it even woke up from hibernation you know this was (laughs) april and most of the other bears were already out we saw a couple later on that day that were much bigger and healthier and had already started to put on some more fat. And this thing was, was lean. Um, but it was awesome. Just, uh, shot that in the morning. It was a beautiful day, sunny. And then, uh, all right, there you go. We had just eight and then, uh, ended up going back into town and that was, uh, that was that. You make it sound unexciting, but I'm certain that that was probably a very exciting, it just, even just seeing one out there to, to people that don't live in Alaska, right. Eating clams and all of that, man, I that would just be super incredible to even witness. Yeah. I think part of it too, is being from the boat makes a big difference. There's, there was another little inlet that we saw sow and three cubs, which when you're in a boat, you know, and one of the cubs stood up and it was super cute, you know, cause brown bear are cute when you're in a boat yeah. and you know, you're out in the water a little bit. So, uh, you know, if, if it had been a river, then that may have been a different story. We had to get by, past it, but you're just, you're just floating in the ocean. It's a sunny day and you're watching these bears just, just eat some, eat some grass on the shore. It's just super awesome. Super that cool. Super awesome. But it would have been a harrowing experience if we would have been on shore with them and then we saw them. So. So no real pack out, I guess you just put it all in the boat and take it back down river and done. Yeah. 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 Cool. So it was actually out in the ocean. So like it was all not tidal. even down the river. Yeah. Not even down the river. Yeah. It was super easy. The only, I mean, it was kind of a heavy hide and rinsed it off a little bit, but um, yeah, super, super quick, pretty easy. And, yeah. Very cool. No very, big deal. Cool. <laughs> did your friend's girlfriend, did she end up getting one later or no, no. no? No, they've gone out a couple of times. She's definitely in the, she's in the category of people who want to get the right one. Um, she shot oh, nice. mountain goat and deer and she shot a, just a, a real nice uh, black tail to start up this season. So, you know, they, they, they get out so much and they've done so much that it's, uh, that tag is a once uh, one every three years. You can, uh, you can get it over the counter registration. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's going to be, if it's going to be the, the, the bear that you're going to have to wait three more years to shoot another one for me, I was like any bear sweet yeah. as go. Yeah. Right. Um, and then for her, I think she's, you know, if I'm going to have to wait three years to shoot another one, I want it to be a really special bear. Or if it's the only one she ever shoots, she wants it to be real special. Yeah. 
So what about your mountain goat? Is that a once every few years or how, how often does that come around for you? That's a registration that um, I can get every year. Okay. Um, I got one last year where well, I got the registration tag last year, but I didn't actually get a, a mountain goat. So mm-hmm. uh, if you are hunting out of state in this area, you have to get a guide for that. So, and that's that $15,000 yeah. upcharge. And then yeah. what's that tag cost? Much. What's that cost for an out of state? hunter? Um, I think the license is 150 and then the tag is 300, 450. It's gotta okay, be. That's, yeah. That's not bad. Deer is 300. Um, so everything's not bad. And then it's like, Oh, got to have a guide. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. um, and people complain that, well, you know, I've shot Sitka blacktail in area where a mountain goat lives, so I shouldn't have to get a guide. But, you know, there's a lot of really qualified hunters. Uh-huh. And there's also a lot of people who just want to kind of do it yourself and go out there. And, you know, it's not as easy if, if someone gets, um, like lost or, or needs to be rescued or something like that. It's not as easy as just driving out there. Right, you're right. talking Coast Guard. You're talking helicopters you're talking you know a pretty extensive um search and you're talking about you know a lot of people are going to be put in danger potentially if they're hiking into some of these really extreme areas that uh, you know it, it happens to be wet you know people get hypothermic during during the summer like it just those sort of things happen up here and so the the severity of of problem can be can be pretty big and so that's why they keep the guide a necessity it's not the same as like a i know down south there's some talks about how the the regulations are to keep the guides in business or, you know, there's kind of the handshakes and there's this and that. I think up here, it's definitely a safety thing. There's definitely some capable people who hunt deer territory and there happens to be goats there too. And so in that case, yeah, we'd probably trust those people, but you know, it just, but you never know who they are when they're coming in from some other state somewhere. Yeah. And is that a register? You have to be a registered guide and all that. It isn't like a a resident. Is it Wyoming? You hunt Wyoming too. Yeah, is Wyoming, where you have, you're supposed to hunt with a resident in the wilderness there, areas, or something? yeah, in wilderness areas, it's got to be. Um, yeah, I don't think it has to be related. I think it's just resident. Yeah, um, so that helps. But um, but Alaska is an actual guide, not just some, not just a resident. Yeah, Alaska is an actual guide. If it's second degree kinship, then I think you're good. When Steve Rinella goes up, he hunts with his brother, and so he's able to not have to pay for a guide yeah um, cool but, uh, very cool yeah well heck man you got a lot more going on so there's a possibility to the listeners that we'll hear jeff back on again for another stories from this season um i really had no idea man i follow along on your page i guess i haven't listened to your podcast in a long time but um i need to get caught up with that so i'm slacking yeah it's uh there's a lot to do up here it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy and it's just it's relentless, you know, like, um, there's always something to hunt. I think, uh, July might be the only, uh, month that there's not anything to hunt because the black bear season, that black bear season actually runs like the fall of the previous year into the spring. Um, so it's, 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 it's crazy. There's always something to do, but, uh, you know, you still have to do it. You know, yeah. there's, yeah. you know, people, you know, we've, I think we've talked about this before where people are really good at, regurgitating the brochure and I can do this and I can do this. And there's this, there's this, there's this, but well, yeah, do you actually do any of that yeah, stuff? Right. And that's exactly. the, the sad thing. That is the sad wow. thing. I say, I haven't listened to your podcast in a while, but that was a lie. Cause I just this morning listened to your 
interview with Corey Jacobson. And oh. that was awesome, man. You guys, that was such a cool show. I thought it was really down to earth and just kind of laid back and a lot of life stuff in there too, along with hunting stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, he's such a good dude. I'm glad we finally got to, got to connect. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wanted to be, you know, different than, you know, other podcasts that, um, he may have been on, you know, and they yeah. kind of get a little bit more behind. Cause I think he's, he's such, I think one of the main things about him and a lot of other people in the, in the industry is just not just the success, but also the person behind him, that authenticity and, you know, what type of person are they too? I think that's, that's always been very interesting to me. So yeah, yeah for sure. Very I looked good, up man. and the, the mountain goat is $600 for the, uh, for the tag. And oh, then it's uh 160 for the, uh, for the license. Yeah. Not bad until you get that guide involved. And then it's, that's, that's over at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Well, good dude. I think we'll wrap it up. I will likely be in touch with you later on in the year. And, uh, I'd like to hear about that mountain goat hunt. So, um, we may have you on later on where Sounds do, good. so you got it. Like we've mentioned a couple of times, you have a podcast and Instagram and all that stuff. What, Tell us about that before you hop off. Uh, my Instagram is Alaska Lund. The Instagram for my podcast is the Mediocre Alaskan. The podcast is called the Mediocre Alaskan Podcast. Um, I do a better job of maintaining the Alaska Lund um, Instagram there. But uh, I have some hunting notes and information at uh, themediocrealaskan.com. Got uh, for the last past couple of years, uh, different hunts and kind of a and I wouldn't say day by day, but a hunt by hunt, uh, recap the last years of blacktail and, and bear and stuff. And then, uh, my book, a miserable paradise came out in April. You can buy that uh, on Amazon. Um, cause Talk I'm about that a little bit plug that. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, 2020, I decided to do a writing project in which I wrote about 5,000 words per month, just about what it's like to live here. Um, a lot of people come up to Alaska and they, you know, they have fun during their hunt or, you know, they do the two week thing or they come up and fish. And so there's a lot of content out there about people who come up from the lower 48 and it's awesome content. It's great to see people making it happen, having a lot of fun up there. Um, but I thought that something missing from that was what it was like to actually live in one of these areas. Um, so I just wanted to do a kind of a month by month. Here's what we're doing. And, uh, happened to be the COVID year. So by the time March rolled around, it became, less about just steelhead fishing and, and shrimping and, and, and spring bear hunting and more about way I'm teaching during a pandemic. This is kind of weird. Um, so it's just a month by month, look at uh, 2020 through the eyes of, of a resident of Ketchikan, Alaska, fishing, hunting, hiking, camping, and then a little bit of kind of what I felt in that moment. Uh, I didn't go back and edit based on what I learned in December. I didn't go back to to may and say oh maybe i'll take this out because i changed my mind it's like no that's that's More how of I a journal kind of a thing huh you just yeah yeah, yeah. that's so, really cool that's a cool sounds like a yeah. cool book uh amazon you said people can buy amazon, it on amazon you get on amazon or kindle i'm assuming that no bookstores down there have it we have some bookstores up here that have it but you know yeah it's not uh so I should let you know if I walk through Barnes and Noble here in New Mexico and, and it's all over the shelves, you probably want to know that, huh? Yeah. I'd, I'd like to know that uh, <laughs> yeah, the distributors yeah. are doing that. Then I, I would be expecting a nice check. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now. Nah, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. You, what a cool year. Look forward to hearing about this mountain goat hunt and to all the listeners, make sure you check it out. Cause this podcast is really cool. Um, always good topics. There's a lot of stuff about the book on there. I know there, there was a stretch where you were talking kind of a daily or a weekly thing about the book and a lot of good info. So check out the mediocre Alaskan podcast. 
Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Backcountry Rookies podcast. Don't forget to look us up on social media. We are Backcountry Rookies on all the spots, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And we also have the Backcountry Rookies Nation, which is a private group on Facebook. So thanks to Go Hunt, Elk 101, Vortex Optics, and Canyon Coolers for sponsoring the show. Remember, when you use the code ROOKIES, you get special deals at all of those companies. You get $50 in gear shop credit. When you become a Go Hunt Insider, you save 20 bucks on the University of Elk Hunting from Elk 101, 20% off any Vortex apparel. And now you can save 10% off Canyon Coolers. Just use the code ROOKIES at any of those places and get special deals. Thanks for listening. Come back next week. Out of here.